The following broadcast by the Kingdom Voice, Dr. Dana Carson, is made possible through DCKM Partners. Dr. Carson teaches the power of the kingdom in its original Jewish context that will revolutionize and transform your life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Check out our website, drdanacarson.org, where you can hear much more from the Kingdom Voice. DCKM, Dana Carson, Kingdom Ministries. In today's broadcast, Dr. Dana Carson, the Kingdom Voice, teaches on the difference between spiritual gifts and talents. Today's message is titled, You Must Have Spiritual Gifts, coming from Romans chapter 12, verse 3 through 6. We've explained that the call is not complex. Uh, it's just ignored. Most people say, I want to know what my call is. Now, identity is tied to call. Call is tied to election. This is, a, this is a kingdom bundle because who you are impacts greatly what, you, what your call is, what it is that God has called you to do. We define for you in kingdom calling and election who you are according to the Bible and what your call is. So, the call of the call of God is not complex. It's just ignored. It's not what people want. And so uh, because the call means that you're called according to his purpose. Romans 8 and 29. It says, you know, 28. It says all things work together for good for them who love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. And see, that's where the complexity comes in. The complexity comes in with uh, you wanting it to be your purpose and God is calling you to his purpose. And so that changes things because that means your focus has to be on the kingdom and not on personal success. And a lot of people want to then confound career and calling. And so it's not complex, it's just ignored. And as long as you don't want to embrace the call, you'll never understand your call. It's like Jesus uh, quotes in the parable in Mark 4, Matthew 13, Luke 8, uh, about those who uh, hear, uh, but they don't hear. They never understand because they have their eyes closed. In essence, they refuse to understand because if they understand, they've got to turn and do the will of God and not the will of man. So the call is not as complex as people try to make it. It's just ignored. And the call is simply to make disciples by being a disciple. Uh, the Hebrew Talmud uh, or Talmudine disciples and Mathetuos, the Greek word, for fully functional followers of Jesus Christ, someone who embraces the, the, the teacher, his lifestyle, and his doctrine. So God has called us to be disciples of Christ. Now, we want to be disciples of careers and, and, and all kinds of stuff, but 
We're called as disciples there. You say, Dr. Carson, what does all this have to do with spiritual gifts? Everything. That's the problem. We uh, compartmentalize things so that we break them all down that they don't mean nothing. You know, even in the text we read, he says, while we have many functions and we have uh, many members, we, we are all tied to one purpose and we're tied to one another. We keep on trying to isolate what it is that God has called us to do as though it is to be done uh, in a vacuum by mavericks. But God has called us from teamwork. You heard it. Teamwork make the dream work. Listen. And so we have to have teamwork. God calls us to team ministry. So we're called to win people to the kingdom, which is a process uh, in which the believer uh, must hear the gospel. The, uh, the unbeliever, excuse me, must hear the gospel. So we're called to win people to the kingdom. That means they're not in the kingdom. We're called to bring them to the kingdom. Now, um, Paul calls the gospel the power of God. And he, Paul says that to in order to win people, then the gospel, the power of God, must penetrate people to the point that we see it happening on Pentecost in Acts 2, 36 through 39, where we see conviction. Uh, they were cut to the heart. They were convicted. We see them being convinced uh, about Christ and and uh, had become, you know, this Jesus you've crucified had become Christ and Lord. Uh, we hear them confessing, and then we see them being baptized, which is a sign of their conversion. And then we see them becoming commit, committed to the local church, because the, in Acts 2.47 says, as the Lord saved them, he put them in the church, and then they were committed to the apostles' teaching, which is an act of discipleship. So <clears throat> we're, win, we're called to win people and through the gospel. And when they hear the, the good news of the gospel and the pathway to the gospel, the cross, because the gospel is not simply the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, that we've been taught that, but that's that's not that's Jesus did not start in Matthew chapter four verse twenty three or Matthew chapter nine uh, talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. He was talking about the good news of the kingdom, and the death, burial, and resurrection was not good news for the Jewish listeners. But now. <clears throat> You can't get, though, to the kingdom without the cross. This gospel that, that Paul talks about that is the power of God, it brings a man to conviction, convincing, confession, uh, conversion, and commitment. Now, Christ explains to Paul that the call uh, is about, you know, Damascus Road. He speaks to uh, Saul, uh so let me just use the word Saul, the name Saul then. Christ explains to Saul on the road of Damascus that the call is about God first sending you to the elect. God told Paul, uh, I'm going to send you, Acts 26 and 17, to 
the Gentiles, and also your own people, the Jews, but primarily to the Gentiles. So we see then the call of God involves sending you to who he knows is going to uh, embrace the gospel while you will preach the gospel to many people who are not the elect, and for them it will simply be uh, judgment. It will simply, they will not be able to say, I did not ever hear the gospel. So we're to indiscriminately preach the gospel, but then we are sent to certain people in order for them to get saved as God's elect. And, and, and Jesus told uh, Paul, Paul or Saul that this process involved opening their eyes, uh, breaking the power of Satan in their life. So it tells us unbelievers are blind. They can't see what you and I see, and they are bound. They have a total, uh, they're being totally dominated by Satan. But our job is to break the back uh, and the power of Satan in their life, and then they can receive the forgiveness of sin nature, and then get in line with with the call and their inheritance. So as I mentioned, bringing someone to Christ involves bringing them to the cross and then to the crown. Now, in order to be effective in this call, we must make double impact. You got to make an impact on the one Satan. The Bible says, how can you enter into a strong man's house and take uh, uh, his possessions except you first bind the strong man. And so therefore, uh, you've got to bind Satan and then you've got to impact the person because after you bind and hold Satan and the prison doors are open, people have to use free moral agency in order to walk out of that cell, that prison cell. So just because Satan is bound doesn't mean that the person is going to be saved. They have to uh, ignite uh, their will. So spiritual gifts, beloved, helps us to be more effective uh, in this process. As I demonstrated with Christ and the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, how the gifts of the Holy Spirit allowed him to touch that woman and change her whole conversation. Uh, she thought possibly Jesus was coming on to her uh, when he asked, where's your husband? And he broke cultural uh, uh, norms in talking to a woman who in public and talking to a Samaritan woman and then understanding culturally if she was traveling along that it was a, a high probability that she was a woman with some darkness in her life. But Jesus talking to her, she may have thought, oh, he, he must like what he see. And so, and he asked her, where's your, where's your husband? So she said, oh, you trying to do a background check. He want this, he want this. And so uh, she said, I ain't got no husband, mister. And uh, so, and, and Jesus, Jesus flipped it. He says, you're right. And the one you living with 
That ain't your husband. And the one, the, the three or four or five before them wasn't your. And she said, uh, she went, uh, uh, <clears throat> sir, I perceive you are a prophet. In essence, I, I perceive that you have supernatural abilities. Now, it was through those supernatural abilities that opened up for her a theological discussion. So, uh, it went from her perception of the supernatural at work in his life to now her wanting to understand a theological issue about worship. Do we worship at Mount Gerizim or do we worship at Jerusalem because of the Samaritan and Jewish controversy? And so, but what opened her up, and we're going to call that theological discussion just for contemporary saints, a Bible study, and we know the Bible didn't come into existence until about 394 A.D. at the Council of Carthage. So we understand that. But <clears throat> for the sake of, of relevance here, she, she wasn't open for a Bible study. She was open for a man, but she wasn't open for a Bible study until she saw that the man had spiritual gifts working in his life. And he then hit her at the core of who she was. And then she asked him the most troubling thing in a person's life, the subject matter of worship. How do we get to God? How do we make sure we're connected to God? Please know the elect, that's what they, they let deep down on the inside. They're always asking themselves, how do I get to God? How do, they may not tell you, they may have that front. See, that woman had that front, you know, that she was, you know, you know, uh, why are you talking to me like this? You know, she trying to talk that talk, you know, and Jesus said, you know, if you knew who it was talking to, asking you for water, you'd be asking me for water and your well would never run dry. She's like, uh-oh, 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 it's all now. So, but he flipped that. He flipped that. He started where she was, but then he got her to where she needed to be, where her heart would become malleable. And he did it through spiritual gifts. And then it took her to a Bible study, and then the Bible study took her to a form of, a light form of evangelism, but it's really invitation because Christ had not died, and said, come see a man. And she brought the Samaritan people to Jesus. And how did that happen? Through the utilization of spiritual gifts. You've got to understand spiritual gifts are mandatory in the 21st century if we're going to have a chance of getting a breakthrough for those who are unsaved today. We're dealing with, in the 21st century, in America, we're dealing with a post-Christian nation. Uh, in uh, all, you know, all but Africa, Africa is very vibrant now and very open to Christianity. Uh, uh, just needs uh, some good Bible, good Bible teaching training uh, to uh, complement uh, the power of the Spirit that's at work uh, there. Uh, like Jesus told the woman at the well, 
uh, they that worship will worship in spirit and in truth. And so outside of Africa and, and parts of Asia, uh, you know, when you look at Australia, pagan, neo-pagan, you look at Europe, pagan. In America, though, we, we have very difficult time uh, trying to bring people to the cross of Christ because it's superficial spirituality. Everybody's spiritual. Everybody's spiritual. Uh, it's uh, a form of secular humanism, atheism, agnosticism, and the, the uh, watershed uh, thinking of religious thought. You have a lot of people even uh, in the church and that have dealt with the church, they think about spiritual things through the lens of Romanized theology, uh, Europeanized theology, colonized theology, westernized theology, and Americanized theology, which tends to move us further away from the original teaching and thought of Christ. Now, when you're dealing with a hodgepodge of all of this kind of stuff, uh, you need spiritual gifts. Uh, as we taught last session that every believer is qualified to use spiritual gifts in order to be effective in their calling. You have a license uh, to use spiritual gifts. We have the gift of righteousness and eternal life, eternal life that makes us authentic candidates for spiritual gifts. This is why Paul said, I desire to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gifts. As we continue to look at spiritual gifts through the lens of Paul, who provides us more teaching on spiritual gifts than any other writer in the New Testament. Uh, he teaches us that each believer has a different gift. Not all have the same gift, but every gift is given by the grace of God. He teaches that since the gifts have been given by grace, then each believer is to use their gifts. It's been given by the grace of God not marriage. You didn't earn this. You're not going to be spiritual enough to finally earn your spiritual gift. It's a grace gift. He teaches us that there are a diversity of gifts available to believers, even beyond, I believe, what's listed. So we see in Romans chapter 12, a, a, a list of gifts. We see in First uh, Peter uh, uh, I think chapter 4, get, uh, some gifts. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a list of gifts. We see in Ephesians 4, a list of gifts. We see in 1, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12, in a couple of places, gifts. So we see the scripture lists uh, a plethora of gifts, and I believe that there are still more gifts uh, available uh, because Gifts are simply designed to help you to be more effective in your calling. And your calling is bringing people to faith. They've got to be convicted, convinced, confessed, converted, and committed. And your gifts can help do that. So Paul teaches us also that the gifts uh, are irrevocable. 
the calling and the gifts of God, Romans 11 and 29, are without regret. So God doesn't regret uh, uh, utilizing you in the gifts and giving you gifts to make you more effective in the call. So Paul's teaching of the gifts uh, also teach us that in order to operate in the gifts, we've got to have faith. And to the degree of faith you have, it determines the degree of effectiveness in your gift. Now, if you are timid and laid back and afraid, then you're, you're, you're probably going to have a very difficult time flowing in the gifts. Uh, so look in verse 6, you hear what it says. It says, but we have gifts that differ and which are meant to be used according to the grace that has been given to us. Paul also informs us that believers can come short in their gifts if they don't maintain their relationship with Christ and the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantor. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Teaching of Dr. Dana Carson. If you would like to hear this message in its entirety, visit drdanacarson.org slash radio. If you would like to know more about the kingdom and your faith, we invite you to enroll in the Kingdom Bible University. Check this out. Studying the Bible can be challenging if you don't understand what you're reading. As kingdom citizens, we are called to live out God's word in every moment of our lives. But we must understand the word in order to do that. The Kingdom Bible University was created to help believers learn God's word on a practical level and teach you how to live it out in your daily life. KBU desires to help you achieve the kingdom knowledge and empowerment of the Bible that helps you enhance your spiritual life to maximize your potential. Find out more information about KBU by visiting our website, www.kingdombibleuniversity.com. Understand the Bible like never before and experience the power that is within to change your life for God's glory. Learn more about KBU today. Before we end this broadcast, we would like to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. Please repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you now, acknowledging that I am a sinner and in need of your grace. Save me, Lord. Make me clean. All that I am, all that I have, I give to you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. If you said this prayer, we celebrate with you. And we invite you to join online to further your kingdom journey at therockwoi.com and click on join online. We would love to assist you through your new kingdom life and send you a free copy of Dr. Carson's book, My New Life in the Kingdom. We look forward to connecting with you. Hi, beloved. This is Dr. Dana Carson, affectionately known as the Kingdom Voice. You know, I work very, very hard to fulfill the purpose of God on my life and the church's life. And we take this gospel of the kingdom around the world. We are touching lives all over. We're touching lives globally. And I want you to partner with me so that we can do that in a more effective manner. And also that fruit may abound to your account. Every time I preach the gospel, 
that means that you're there preaching it with me because you're providing the necessary support that allows me to reach nations and people all over the world. I need your support. I want you to partner with me. If you click the link, it'll tell you a little bit more about our partners ministry. But will you partner with me? I want you to be able to say, I partner with Dana Carson Kingdom Ministry and we take the gospel of the kingdom around the world. Thank you. God bless. In this gospel of the kingdom, the good news spreads across the world. The preceding broadcast has been brought to you by DCKM Partners, helping people to know God, make Him known to others, and spread the kingdom message around the world. Find out more at drdanacarson.org. DCKM, Dana Carson Kingdom Ministries.